Hello and welcome into the 32nd episode of the Promo Guy podcast, brought to you by Mojo, the stock market for sports. Mojo is a sports stock market offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now, the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Sign up using code TPG for a 100% deposit match up to $100. I am, once again, joined by Nick uh, from Blue Duck Media. We've got a bit of a different setup today because we have another awesome guest. It is uh, Jay Sternberger. He played for the Packers and was an All-American at Texas A&M, so we're really lucky to have him. Cool. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. We've got a fun episode here today. Um, the interview was a great listen and a long listen, so I want to keep it moving. I don't want to chit-chat too much here at the top. Let's just jump right into the state of the stack. Yeah, uh, it was a really strong week all around, which has been sort of the theme for, for months now, uh, but won't always be the case, so it's good to appreciate it. Uh, Twitter is up about $300 this week. That was kind of highlighted by free bets, honestly. Uh, the free bets did really well. So good week for Twitter. Uh, Discord, SGPs continue to do really well. Bet Rivers had a nice week. Uh, I'm going to have an article coming out today or tomorrow about the parlay insurance. Um, Bet365 did well. So it was, it was a good week all around. Uh, ESPN Bet, I guess, was a little bit down after Barstool uh, crushed it we, right before it ended. ESPN would have done well, would have done amazing, actually, if we had hit our college basketball parlay last night, but our 10 to 1 team, like the underdog leg of those parlay insurance, lost in overtime, which was which was tough to watch, but you know, it certainly happens. And we'll get into best beats and, and worst beats from the week uh later on in the show. So that's the update. And what do we got for the gambling landscape update, Nick? Uh for our gambling landscape update. We wanted to talk a little bit about what the same game parlay rules are on different books. I know when I'm playing daily fantasy games on Mojo or Underdog, I know that the rules vary between platforms and I never really know if I hit three out of four. If the play is insured, then I win. But if one of the leg legs push, does that now make it two out of three? It, it's always pretty complicated. Uh, do you think that we need to have like a standard across all these different uh, fantasy gaming apps? And what are your feelings on this? Yeah, so this got a lot of attention because, I mean, we had done this as it grinds my gears, the whole if one leg pushes and the rest win, it's a it's a push. If, if one leg pushes and one of the other legs loses, it's a loss. That was a grinds my gears segment. This is exclusive to ESPN bet, at least as far as the ones I know. Uh, I actually think, so the way Caesars does it, and they have the same SGP provider. I actually think the way they do it makes sense. Uh, an SGP is sort of just like, a, what do I think is going to happen in the game? And they tend to follow game scripts. And if one leg wasn't involved, I maybe would, first off, it's kind of hard to count after the fact, like what the odds would have been, because it's not as simple as a regular parlay where you just multiply the odds, there's correlation, stuff like that involved. But, you know, maybe I wouldn't want the play if said, if one of the legs pushes or voids because it was all a game script. Like I, I had Eagles minus three and I needed them to, I, I, you know, I wanted them to win in a blowout for the rest of my legs to make sense. So if it pushes, it's almost like beneficial for them to to avoid the whole thing. So I don't mind that. It obviously stinks when you win every, you know, you win a seven leg SGP and one leg pushes and you don't win any money, but it's not inherently against you. If they do it the way Caesars does it, where it just pushes no matter what. 
So that part of it didn't bother me. What bothers me is the obvious rule that's just, you know, incredibly against you that Caesars does not do and no other book does, where if one leg pushes and another leg loses, you lose. It's a no-win situation for the customer. That's obviously awful. There's a reason why I was in grinds my gears. ESPN bet needs to fix it, you know, yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure how it's a lot, you know, it's, it's just obviously terrible. Uh, I, I, I can't speak to the DFS platforms too much. Well, honestly, I can. They just take out the leg. Uh, but it's kind of hard to do SGP stuff. Like, same, you know, there's a difference between a parlay and a, and a same game parlay. So anyway, they usually just take that leg out. It's um, for the DFS stuff. And then some books recalc the odds. Some books don't. It, it really depends. I don't know if we need to have a standard. I'm fine. I mean, everyone should know the house rules of the place that they're betting. The house rules just can't be inherently against the customer. Like ESPN bets, they're obviously absurd. I'd be shocked if they went on much longer. I don't know how they ever got approved. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's obviously not good. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if they were a little bit more forthcoming with the rules. I mean, it's just never something they don't want to like stop you and explain the rules when you're their goal and the setup of all of these platforms is to try and get you to wager. They're not going to be like, hey, wait a second. Do you understand the rules? Yes, but as long as the rules are fair, which I think that the recalc version and the, the push version are fair. Yeah, if they're, if they're just taking out the one leg and recalculating the odds, then I agree. Yeah, or they just push it no matter what if there's a push. I think either of those are totally fine. I mean, in theory, the push one is worse for the books because SGPs are profitable for them, so they wouldn't want the SGPs to go away. Like It's almost like a, a nice rule for the customer. So it's funny that it'd be something that people would give flack for even as is, even without knowing the losing part, uh, people were pretty negative on it. But like I said, I actually do think that makes the most sense just because of, you know, an SGP is kind of a game script type thing. They're not independent legs. So you don't necessarily like each of the legs you're putting in, but you figure I'm either getting a nice bump for a negative correlation or I'm getting a leg that, you know, oh, I think AJ Dillon will go over his rushing yards if the Packers cover type thing. But you might not like that leg on its own. So I kind of get why they would just push the entire thing or avoid the entire thing. What's interesting is that ESPN bet for voids doesn't have this adverse rule where if, if one of the legs voids, they, I believe they recalc or they make it a lot, like whatever it is, it either pushes no matter what or it recalcs, but it's not inherently against you. Yeah. I mean, bringing up ESPN bet, I did see a rumor or uh, I saw a few tweets that I wanted to mention to you. Uh, uh, specifically, a tweet from Joey Nish said, Penn lost so much money in the branding change from Barstool to ESPN. They've basically increased the juice across the board and are exploiting house rules to screw betters to try and generate more revenue. Do you, Have you noticed that? Is that something that's crossed your radar? Or is that just like Twitter nonsense that I came across? Um, I've, I've found ESPN bet to be exactly the same as Barstool. I don't think that anything has changed. I don't think that, I actually am not sure if Barstool had this rule before, you know, I didn't use it all that much. And I, I, uh, I'm pretty sure they had the same rule actually now that I think back on it. So I think this is something that Barstool has done. I, they're, they are not doing anything different. They have similar promos. The odds are definitely the same. I don't think Penn's done anything like that, but it, it's it's really the same book as as Barstool was, and I, I you know 
I, I basically don't view there's having been any change other than way more people are now on ESPN bet just because of the name. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think we can keep it moving and get to our interview. We'll be back after the interview with uh, best beats and worst beats from the week and a little in-season tournament check-in. I'm in love with Mojo Fantasy. It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props. You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. Okay, as promised, we have another special interview. Uh, in case you missed it, we did one with Miami Heat shooting coach two weeks ago, Rob Boder, so make sure to check that one out. That was a great interview. But uh, this one promises to be a very exciting one as well. We've got Jay Sternberger. Uh, he played at Texas A&M, uh, was an All-American there. He, before that, he was at Kansas, then transferred to Northeast Oklahoma A&M. Like I said, was first-team All-American tight end at A&M, and then played for the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, caught a touchdown in the NFC Championship game. And last season, he played in the USFL, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for the championship team, you said, right? Birmingham? Yeah, Birmingham. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have Jace. So thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so I guess the reason why, you know, so uh, Mojo set us up and we're grateful for them as a sponsor, but also for connecting us with you. And the reason why I thought this week would be a good week for it, we've got you obviously played at AM. They just made the co- coaching change to Mike Elko. I wanted to talk college football playoffs this week as we get into conference championship weekend. So, and your former quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is potentially making a comeback. So, I thought this would be the perfect week to have you on. Uh, but first, I want to get into your background a little bit. So, you are a quarterback in high school, like a lot of, frankly, I mean, what percentage of the NFL do you think was a quarterback in high school? Over 70% easily. 70%? I was going to say less, but it, I, I believe it, right? It, it's always funny. Like, you hear a lot of, like, the college football announcers, like, oh, well, he knows what to do with the ball in his hands. You know, he was a high school quarterback. I'm like, yeah, literally everyone was, except for, like, the offensive linemen. Everyone. And surprisingly, a lot of, a lot of O-linemen played running backs, or they all say they did before, at one point. They all played running back. A lot of linemen think that's what they do. <laughs> I, I actually believe that, right? Just because, I mean, it's got to be like the tackles more than the guards probably. But before they put on, right. you know, a lot of that college weight, and I'm sure they're hard to bring down and move well, so I believe it. But, uh, okay, so you're a high school quarterback. Did you know you were going to play tight end at the next level? Were you looking as a lineman, a receiver? No, uh, I honestly, I separated my shoulder my sophomore year of high school. And I, I was JV quarterback at the time. We had a senior who was starting. Uh, I separated my shoulder and then my shoulder healed. And then our right tackle was not playing very well. So they moved the tight end to right tackle. And they were like, 
well, your shoulder's messed up, but you can still catch and run. So let's try you at tight end. And then, uh, honestly, the rest is history. Okay, so you were you were a tight end at a high school. Uh, yeah, I transfer, transformed over to tight end, defensive end my junior, yeah, that sophomore season. The junior year is when I was full-time. Okay, so you were you were recruited as a as a tight end, but um, so you end up committing to Kansas. I'm looking up your two four seven profile right now, but uh, I assume you were about a three star. Yeah, I think I, I think I earned that third star, maybe uh, two, star. two star. You were seventy six overall, two star. So I guess my first question for you why why do you think so? You obviously end up becoming an NFL player, an All American in, in college. Why do you think? you were a little bit more lightly recruited strictly off the fact two things really one being from Oklahoma they didn't we weren't getting recruited as much as we are now and secondly my town had about 4,000 people in it so coaches (laughs) were afraid that I wasn't playing any real competition or I don't know I I wasn't the most attractive prospect you know when you look at my school and everything compared to these like Texas big schools and these big states yeah I guess especially at, at a physical position right Right. Uh, okay, so you, you go to Kansas. Uh, how was your time there? Off the field, fantastic. I love <laughs> I love Lawrence, Kansas. Great school. That the nightlife, that the the females. It, it was a great experience. <laughs> uh, football was like a Saturday Night Live football bit. Like you would have thought it was a it was a, a sketch the whole time. Like every day was something. You were just like, "There's no way this is happening right now." Just from coaching changes to what we would be doing in practice to us running 40 yard dashes in 50 deg- in 30 degree weather. And then the coach getting mad because no, everyone's running above a five second flat. Like I can't even make up the stuff that wow. happened on the Kansas. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Okay. So after two years, you had to get out of there and you end up uh, going Juco. What, what made you, what made you go the Juco route? Uh, just the whole, I wanted to get, I wanted that up opportunity to get recruited because like I said I didn't really get a fair chance out of high school and mm-hmm. I've heard so many things about JUCOs like if you're good they're gonna find you if not they won't and uh, I originally wanted to go to this JUCO out of high school but they actually told me like you can't pass up on Kansas you have to go so I was like all right cool <laughs> so I did that yeah I mean I mean for as bad as the football program was and it's probably pretty cool for you to see that they've turned into you know a, a legitimate one now it's still a you know, a four-year university, you're still in the Big 12, right? Like, it's, it's still a great opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was a, it was just one of those things. I, I, I'm a big optimist, optimistic, super positive guy. So it was like, man, how cool would it be to be able to be a part of the rebuild? And I bought all the dreams they were selling. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's the funny thing with college football coaches. And, you know, my friend asked me the other day, like, I was talking about some coach who was like, yeah, well, he makes $9 million a year, $10 million a year. And they're like, what? They make more than NFL coaches? Like, they, way, they make way more than NFL coaches just because of how much they have to recruit. I mean, they're the GMs. They're, the, they're everything. And every college football coach is either selling how well they've done or yep. they're selling like, oh, don't go to, to Alabama and be a cog in the wheel. Come be a part of the change, right? Exactly. It, it, it's almost a win-win unless you're like Sam Pittman right now, who's in year or whatever, and it's hard to kind of sell like a new dream, but also hard to, you know, it, with such a bad year, hard to recruit off that. He looked so defeated in that press conference the other day. No, he does. I, I, I love Coach Pittman. He was at Arkansas when I was getting recruited out of high school. He was, he was good to me. 
Yeah. So anyway, so you must have had a big year at JUCO because Jimbo Fisher came calling, right? Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, I told you I, I was at Boise State on that visit with Coach Harson. Loved Boise, but then for some reason I just waited to commit. And then that next week I got a DM from the Florida State football page like, hey, are you interested in Florida State? And I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, what kind of joke is this? Like, of course I'm interested. Yeah. And then next thing you know, I got a call from a random number and they started quizzing me. They're like, man, did you rob a 7-Eleven? Like, why, why were you at JUCO? Why didn't you play at Kansas? Like, what's the, like, what's your background? Like, what, like, why, why aren't you playing? And I was just like, I, I don't have an answer for that. You know, I'm not the coach. I, uh, I, I, I think I'm good enough. I guess they didn't, whatever. And then, uh, so those next three weeks are like, you know, we really want to offer you, but with coach Fisher's job being up in the air, we really don't know where he's going to be. So, you know, just kind of stay with us and, that, that's exactly what I did. I stayed with them. I laid low. I was just waiting to find out, waiting for something to be official. And then uh, as soon as that thing came across the ticker that Jimbo was to A&M on a Wednesday, they flew me out on a Thursday and I committed on Sunday and the rest was history. Got it. So then, so Jimbo clearly was, was kind of behind the Florida State football page. Once he changed, you know, you probably got hit up by a Texas A&M football page yep. saying, Hey, coaching staff's interested in you. So that was so you were one of Jimbo's first recruits or in his first recruiting class, right? And how was that playing at, at AM? I mean, Kyle Field, I've been there. Uh the atmosphere at AM, it's you're not in Kansas anymore, right? Definitely not in Kansas anymore. Uh it was everything it lived up to be. Um, like I said, I'd been sold the previous two years by former teammates and friends, just how great of uh, uh, the atmosphere was and how serious they take football. And so getting there, you know, it was like a kid at a candy store. Just everything was eye-opening from the facilities to the the fans, just how everybody treated you in the community. And then uh, getting to spring ball, you know, coach someone, he didn't really use a tight end. So being with Jimbo, I was the, I was literally one of three tight ends and me being, I was like a day one starter. So I literally took every rep with every quarterback and it was spring ball was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like I was so exhausted every day. They killed me, but uh, obviously it was worth it. But um, yeah, it was, it was very intense when I got there from day one. Yeah. And you, you guys had, had a very good year, nine and four. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously not, you know, most teams take that, especially in the SEC, especially with the first year head coach. Right, and you ended the year with a, a huge bowl win. Would you would you beat would you beat uh, NC State by like forty something? Like yeah, that? in the uh, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Yeah, that's a pretty good bowl too, and, and to win like that. So I remember thinking at the time, you know, especially with all Jimbo's success at Florida State, that it was going to sort of take off from there, and it kind of did for the next couple years. Right. right. I mean, just two years later, twenty twenty, A uh, and M finished the year with. One loss, arguably, should have been in the playoff. They were kind of the, I think they were the five team, and then they beat North Carolina in, in that bowl game. And then it kind of went down from there, uh, maybe more than kind of, even with a, a really strong recruiting class off of that. What do you think happened at AM? And I'm a huge advocate on, a, I think quarterback's the most important position in college. I mean, obviously, you can argue NFL too, but uh, in college, if you have a good quarterback, it's a lot easier to be in games that you sh you shouldn't be in, even if you're playing against a team that's better than you. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, we just haven't had a healthy quarterback the past three years. Just like this year, I think Wigman, 
I mean, he played against Miami week two, but then week three is when he broke his foot and then he was out for the rest of the year. And so uh, I think Jimbo's got the, the short end of the stick on the quarterback tree the past three or four years where he can't, no, no guys just stay healthy. And in college, it's, it's hard to rely on a backup to win games in the SEC. Yeah, I kind of always say that. So I struggle to watch college basketball a lot of the time because I feel like you can like the product just looks. I mean, it's it's a lot of nineteen year olds. The names are always new. They don't have a lot of chemistry with each other. It's good athletes, but like it's very unpolished, raw games. They don't shoot very well, and it's just kind of ugly relative to the NBA. Where I feel like college football. The game looks very similar to the NFL. I mean, you can't tell that the wide receivers are a half step slower and the running backs are right. and linemen are a little less big. Like you just can't really tell. But where you can tell is the quarterback play. And sometimes in college, even at these big programs, it can get pretty ugly. Although I thought AM's quarterback play was pretty solid all year, to be honest. Even down to their third string the other day against LSU. I know everyone looks good at against LSU these days, but <laughs> I did think the quarterback play was decent. I was surprised that AM's defense uh, wasn't better. You know, especially you look at that Miami game early on in the year. Yeah. They let up 40-something. But, yeah, I'm curious to see what ends up happening with Jimbo just because, again, I was I'm so – honestly, even though I, I had said on this podcast, I thought – we did like a fun game, like uh, who's the first college coach to get fired? And I said uh, Jimbo. I didn't account for uh, – Pat Fitzgerald, but only just because I didn't think the team was going to be all that great. And like I said before, like you kind of run out of once you get hit a certain year and you don't have any like yeah. new thing to sell and you don't have a lot of success on the field to sell, you're kind of like in a tough spot. Yep. But I did think it was going to work great for them there. I mean, I, he did such a good job at Florida State. And then AM, I really think is a top 10 place you'd want to you'd want to coach absolutely uh, i i assume you feel the same just the buying i mean just the money you have you're in texas you're in the sec the the buying from the the fans i mean it's got to be the least angry fan base in the world yeah i mean <laughs> like you, you said the big one is the there's no there's no credit card max like you can there's no budget you can do whatever you want you're gonna get like Every booster down here is just ready to give you money, ready to spend money on whatever they need to do to help Amen get to that. Like, we're so hungry to be elite, like elite, elite. And so uh, that's what it's, it's just so funny. The, like recently, everybody's just bashing A&M because how much we believe in ourselves or how much like we think we are. Like you just said, we, we do believe we're a top 10 job in the country. And like, it's just so funny how people are just like, we're crazy for thinking all this. And it's just like, if you don't, think that you just haven't been to college station because it's like who goes to college if you're a coach any coach and you go to college station it's like you would easily take a head coaching job there if they offered it to you like i don't know anybody who would turn it down yeah it's got everything and most of the people that clown it other than just saying like the fans are weird they, they kind of say that well you haven't done anything right but georgia hadn't won a title since what 1980 until they did they were doing the same thing stuck in the mud yeah, they were a little bit better, but I agree with you that that uh, they hadn't done anything big in a while. All this stuff turns very quickly. But if you if you asked me, uh, like A&M versus so I, the, the only places in the SEC that are clearly better jobs for Georgia and Bama, uh, you could definitely argue LSU. 
just because all those New Orleans kids like always stay home or Louisiana, like that whole area, they always just stay home. Yeah. After that, it's it. I think it's got to be A and M, and then you look outside the conference, like Ohio State's probably a better job. I don't know that Michigan is. Obviously, Harbaugh's a big time coach and had a lot of success recently, but they're still not. They still don't recruit as well as A and M, even with all that success. Right, and I mean when they had Rick Rod and before Harbaugh, they was it was just they were just another Big Ten team. At least to me, maybe being from Oklahoma, maybe we just didn't cover them like up north. But still, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't yeah, realize. I don't know if they were another Big Ten team, but I, I agree <laughs> with you that that. Well, I mean, you look, you give your coach ten million a year. He comes from the NFL. He recruited well, but like, you don't have the backyard that A and M has, and I think that's probably the the biggest difference, right? Like, I always think that in college football, it's just like so many kids want to stay home no matter what. So having the Texas backyard, having the Georgia backyard, having you know, any, any of the three Florida schools backyard is a big deal. And I'm not saying that all of those places are in USC, you know, all, so many good kids in, in uh, California. I'm not saying that all of those are better jobs in Michigan. I'm just saying that that would be sort of like the one, the one thing I would say. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So do you think if you had the eligibility, so you end up, you, you were a third round pick in the NFL. But do you think if you had the eligibility, you would have stuck around in AM with NIL today? Like, how much do you wish as an All American player at Texas AM? And like you said, the, there's no credit card limit there. Like, that would have been pretty hard to pass up, no? Absolutely. Uh, just how the full court press I got from Jimbo, even when there was no NIL, not nothing financially, but just the how yeah, serious they were and like, I mean, my insurance clause was going to be ridiculous playing my senior year. And it was, like I said, it was a very tough decision. But with NIL, it would have been no, there would have been no hesitation. I for sure would have stuck around another year without a doubt. Yeah. And I think that that's the one thing that people don't talk about enough that where NIL really helps the college football product. Because, yes, it it obviously has its drawbacks, uh, especially for, I think it actually helps parity in terms of like, we're not going to have the same. Alabama Clemson every year in the national title game uh, just because there are places that are willing to spend and Alabama can't outspend everyone kind of a deal but it obviously hurts the you know Pat Narduzzi was talking at Pittsburgh about how he lost Jordan Addison like it's just not fair and a lot of the coaches of, of those type of programs have complained I, I, I'm trying to remember who the other one was recently that, that came out and was basically like, yeah, well, we lost all of our good players because teams bought them away. So that, that is the negative NIL. But I think the positive is you get more 22-year-olds that are really good, 23-year-olds that are really good. And, you know, someone like you who's an All-American third-round pick player, like, probably stays another year. And I think that that's good for the sport. Familiar names. Absolutely. Older players, NFL quality. I mean, that's kind of the thing that college basketball misses, right? Where we're... I think that they just don't have really good 22 year olds that are NBA ready that are, that are playing and that you, you've heard their names for four years. It's rare. Yep. It's probably, but I mean, you know, you have the Hunter Dickinson, world. but anyway. Okay. Uh, so then you play with Aaron Rodgers in green Bay. Uh, what was that like? Uh, man, I learned a lot. It was, like I said, from day one, it was just a whole new ball game just from the mental aspect of it. Just all the details that he puts into it and just, 
Uh, I know he's said some crazy things in the in the media and whatnot, but he honestly is probably one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. And just uh, his knowledge of the game and the understanding of everything. Uh, he's a great teacher. That's why I don't think people talk enough about is uh, he really does break down the game for doing installs and everything. He would really paint a clear picture. And uh, sometimes coaches get they get caught up in over coaching and hammering things that maybe take away from what really needs to get done. And Aaron was a very good middleman in the sense of he just gave everybody a better understanding on what it really should look like and, you know, not getting overwhelmed. And, uh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron was awesome. I, and his sense of humor to me is hilarious. So I, I enjoy him more than others, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it was, Aaron was awesome to, to play with and be around. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, you know, a lot of people get, bogged down in his beliefs of this and that and i saw that he like had some like anti-sunscreen oh my thing. god I, like, what do I, care? <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, i'm pretty sure if i don't wear sunscreen at least looking like me and you can you you know you seem uh, a lighter complexion like you're gonna get burned exactly. and that's not good for you and skin cancer is real but i don't really like i'm not gonna like i mean he, he's like one of my favorite players of all time and he's Incredible. Yeah, like so who cares? What, what, do care? like, what do I care? There's, what do you think there's a thousand other things he could be. Like he could be a scumbag of a person. Like if he wants to have these beliefs and he's he doesn't harm anybody. He doesn't. He never is like ill will towards anybody. It's like who cares? I don't care. He's 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 fine. Right. Um. But and then that must have been. I mean, what a what a highlight to to catch two touchdown passes from him. One of them in the NFC Championship game. I know you guys were losing, but still, you know, it was, uh, that's gotta be a really cool moment, huh? Oh, that was for sure. One of the coolest moments in me, my, I'm so, I wasn't even, I was so in the moment. I didn't even, I didn't even keep that ball. I literally caught it and chunked it in my celebration. And like, I just kept pushing. Like I didn't even realize it. And then afterwards I'm like, damn, I just, just <laughs> that was my first NFL touch. And I just <laughs> threw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, well, well, hopefully, hopefully you get more. So. Okay, cool. We got the background done. A few things I want to talk to you about first. One of my biggest, I call it grinds my gears, is people talking about Florida State not making the playoff if they go undefeated. What, what, is, your, what is your opinion on if Florida State should get in if they, if they beat Louisville? Let's say they win by one point and it's 10 to 9. I'm going to contradict myself because I don't know what the old me would have said, but like realistically, they don't need to be in. But like, if you're following the the rules and the criteria that we've held teams accountable for years in the past, I think they get in, but I don't, I mean, they didn't even look impressive with me with Jordan Travis recently. Like after LSU, they play, they have not impressed me one game this year where I'm just like, damn, this is a really good football team. And it was Jordan Travis out. It's just, it makes it 10 times worse. And I'm just like, I get it. They're undefeated, but you're a fool. If you think that they're going to, be with any with be within two touchdowns of Georgia if that's who they play we if that's who they play because I think if Georgia wins they'll be the one seed obviously and then Florida State was sneaking at four they're not I don't see them playing competing with Georgia at all so I agree that they would not fare very well against Georgia without Jordan Travis it might be a little bit harsh to say that they didn't impress me at all this season you know, like I look, the you know the ACC went what six and three or six and four against the SEC this year. Yeah, and the SEC to me was awful this year. Right, and you go undefeated. There weren't a ton of close games. They had a close game against 
BC. That was kind of like the bad one at BC. They had a close game against Clemson at Clemson. I think that's pretty fair. Yep. And then they had a close game against Miami, which I think is pretty fair. Other than that, they took care of business. I mean, they won every other game by double digits, yep. uh, including the LSU game. So I thought you were going to say, well, as, as, you know, as a member of as being one of the other 80 guys on the roster, it's ridiculous that you win all your games. You play a tough schedule. I mean, it's not, especially if you compare them to like, let's say Michigan schedule or, or honestly, even, I mean, who are we comparing to? I, I, Oregon would have a tougher schedule. Texas, because they played Bama, would have a tougher schedule. But like Georgia, Georgia didn't have a tougher schedule this year. Yeah. And I know we're not really comparing, but, but if Georgia wins, Michigan wins, and then it'd be Oregon and Texas. It'd be, it'd be two of those three, right? I don't see how you could put a one-loss, honestly, or one-loss one Oregon or Texas above Florida State. I don't care if they're bad. Yeah. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I, I think you do have to, like I said, there is crazier things have happened. You know, Cardell, Cordell Jones or Cardell Jones, Cadillac, yep. 12-gauge. There are crazier things that have happened. So. <laughs> Like I said, I, I do agree with you. I, I mean, even TCU beat Michigan last year. You said what? TCU beat Michigan last year. I, I think I, I think this Florida State team, especially Jordan Travis, is much better than that TCU team was. Yeah, yeah. TCU just had all the chemistry, and they just that was just the right time, right fit. It was just a Cinderella story. They had the they had they had the resume. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it was. But okay, so I wanted to ask you about that. It sounds like. We kind of agree, although you, you, you maybe wouldn't vote them in. Uh, you put Texas and Oregon above. Uh, no, that. no, if they're undefeated, they just they need they have to be in. I just I'm just okay, saying good. from a realistically standpoint, I just don't I would not put money on them to win. I, I would be a hate in that sense. Like, I just it's no disrespect to them. It's just I think the other teams are all the other seven, eight teams are really good this year. For sure. It's it's I I've kind of felt up and down about a 12-team playoff, it would be awesome this year. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I do think that's where, I think the mix of NIL and a 12-team playoff is actually great. I, I was nervous because, you know, what's so great about college football is yep. how much every game matters. And you take that away a little bit with a 12-team playoff. Like, you have, like that, that Michigan-Ohio State game wouldn't be what it was in a 12 team because both of them were going to get in regardless. I agree with that. But then you also got to think about it though. This way is I'm, this isn't me. Someone else said this. I'm just stealing it. I think it was Josh Pate who said this, but Uh two weeks ago, everybody in the country would have been watching that Tennessee versus Missouri game when it's both, they're both what eight and two, nine and two. Like that's, that would be solidifying for that 10 to 12 spot. No, I, I agree. I agree for sure. And, and he does say that. And, and I think it's a good point. Like how yep. many more games are going to matter. But I also think that maybe a few years ago, like in the Bama Clemson national yeah. game, where they played four times in the title game or something uh, in that time, like they would have blown the doors off of anyone anyway. So it wouldn't have really been an improved yeah. product. Like we would have gotten to them no matter how many teams you put in there. I do think now, and I say this with Georgia, you know, not not losing in the last like two and a half years. I do think that more and more teams are going to be really good in college football, and it's going to be a little bit less. It's going to be a little bit more parity yep. at the top, where places like Texas A and M can compete recruiting wise because of 
NIL because of money. We're in Austin, Texas. Like a lot of, we've seen with the portal, a lot of kids like to go back home, right? So maybe people that, that went to bigger places or not, I mean, not bigger than UT, but like went to other schools, come back to UT. They come back to USC. They come back to Miami, Florida State, Florida, right? Like I think that you'll start seeing a lot of those places, you know, really competing. Although, again, I mean, and I think we see it this year where there's a lot of good teams, although I still don't think like Missouri would fare very well. And we've already seen them, you know, kind of get worked a little bit by, by Georgia. Um, I still think that we would get a lot of really good quarters and semis games. So uh, that will be exciting. One more question about Rodgers. Do you think he comes back this year? I think he uses no. the... Okay. Because Aaron, what Aaron does is he says things like months out in advance, like he'll say a key word and then like, as the months go by, he won't bring that word back up. But then when it's time to make a decision, he'll pull back what he originally said, like from far long ago. Like, now remember, I said this, and that's what I think he's doing with him. That's why he threw in there if the Jets are in playoff contention. So that takes off a little bit of pressure for him. So where, like, if he was ready to go, he would be. But now that I don't think the Jets are going to be close to the playoffs, or I really haven't looked at the schedule or like how what's the ranking how how it's coming, but yeah, I think he's going to use that not a scapegoat, but I think that's going to be his like. Well, I probably could have pushed it if I needed to, but right, yeah, I think it'd be fun to see. And I know uh, we've had our friend Kenny on the the podcast, so he came on, and at the beginning of the year he said, "I'm taking several guys to win comeback player of the year because I don't think because Demar Hamlin was like minus seven hundred before the season started." And he's like, all that I need is Hamlin to not play in a lot of games or he gets hurt or literally anything happens with Hamlin for an entire season and he might not win this. There are a lot of guys that might have more compelling stories. And I know he he went pretty heavy on Aaron Rodgers' comeback player of the year because he thinks if he plays one snap, he'll win it. I know that that's sort of been a popular bet. Uh, I don't know if he's the first to do it, but uh, I know that's been a popular bet. I don't know. I don't know if he wins it if he comes back. How do you win? I've never seen a comeback player of the year where it happens in the same season. That's almost like a participation trophy. I feel like. Well, a lot of people would say that. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that. He's only played in two games. (laughs) Exactly. That's like. I I don't think that's comeback player of the year. That's like comeback (laughs) player of the decade, the century. Like, you literally came back. Like, (laughs) it's the Demar Hamlin Award now. Yeah, like who, yeah, like you literally back came back from life. Like you won. You you're right. all time winner. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, a couple more questions. Uh, do you know? First off, what do you think happened with Elko and Stoops this week? Like, I actually think Mark Stoops would have been a really good hire for A and M. What do you think happened there? And do you have any impressions of either of them, uh, Stoops or Elko? So uh, yeah, I got I got I got all of those. I was actually just like you. I thought it was going to be a great hire. Me and my agent, we text, we text religiously about football all the time. And he had texted me. He's like, Stoops is the guy. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was, I was thrown off at first, but then I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this dude is, everybody's pointing out his record. I'm like, he's at Kentucky. Like they've never been relevant. He's made them relevant. Right. And I played against coach Stoops. So I'm just like, I know, I know how his players like him. I know like he's been in the SEC. He knows how to recruit for the SEC. And if he can get guys to go to Kentucky, like we were saying earlier, he imagine what he's going to bring to the A&M. And it's like, he's, 
I, I was okay with the hire. I thought it was going to be a good fit. Everybody in AM was crying left and right. I, I, I was like, you guys are idiots. But uh, I don't think that was ever yeah, a that's, real... Yeah, that's, that's how I felt too. Sorry, keep going. I don't think that was ever a real thing though. Like, it might have... He could have been a candidate, but I... The whole he turned us down or we pulled the A&M, the players pushed for him to get canceled. Like, I'm not buying any of that. Like, I... I trust my sources and I don't, I don't think that was the case. I think he was a finalist for sure. And someone might've leaked it on his party, but I don't, like I guess I just don't see anybody turning down like, Oh, I'm not doing this or cold feet or I don't know. But me, I played with coach Elko. My one year at A&M was his first year at defensive coordinator. We came in together and uh, man, like I said, we All were right. in so many games that this, like we, we were, we, I think we were down 18 at Clemson first half. Coach Elko, and I will argue with anybody, he is the best halftime adjustment coach in, the, in, 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 in college football. His adjustments that he makes and how he changes the defense. I mean, besides when Riley Leonard got hurt, I don't think Duke ever got blown out of a game from day one that he was there. And that's because of how he schemes his defense and how all, like he's, he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. And so I'm very excited to see what he does at AM because like, like you, we both know, A&M has all the tools there. They're very talented. It's a, it's all about the fit. And harping back on Twitter, people were bashing me this and that. This was I was sticking up for Stoops at this point. This is when I thought Stoops was the coach. I'm like, yo, I had five yards in two years and one catch in college football. Like you would have thought I sucked. I was like, but what happens? I go to the right system and the right fit, and the next thing you know, I'm an All-American tight end. Like I was like, let's not bash these coaches before they even get here. Like who knows what's going to happen when they get here? Like, it's all about the situation and fit. And I, I'm, I am glad we got a defensive minded coach because now I think we can go. He's going to hire a, a very, um, you know, promising offensive coordinator. And that's going to be his thing. And let Coach Elko focus on the defense. And like I said, this is probably the most excited I've been since I, since I played at AM. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really good perspective on Elko. Yeah, I think my thing with Stoops probably similar to how you think we're, we're describing it. It's I never like the group of five hires. Every once in a while, sure, especially if it's a really good team. But like the Billy Napier hire, for example, at Florida, I, I didn't like it because it's such a different game. The group of five versus you know one of these big time programs, and you have to juggle so many different things. And if you're not bringing like an amazing offense with you or an amazing defense with you. And you're just like, Oh, I did a good job managing things here. It's just such a different, it's just such a step up. It's such a different world. I feel like those guys fail more often than not stoops. You kind of had this unique situation where he could do exactly what he did at Kentucky, but just do it with. Yes. Like, like you said, just do it better. better yeah. Just the resources <laughs> right. he would have would be unlimited and it would just, I said he was, he's, he's, I mean, you got to give him credit because, yeah. I mean, in Kentucky basketball, they, I feel like I saw this on Twitter last night too. They kind of got a little complacent. I don't think their fan base is what it was or they never, they did, they took it for granted. But I mean, he was literally out of like Lance Leopold, Leopold, you know, like saying they're at a basketball school and you're making them relevant. Like that speaks volumes to me more than anything. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and, you know, they play, but they also play like, you know, it's all about the ground game and defense and physical, but they do it with three stars. You know, you go to AM, you do it with four and five stars. Like you're just, it's just going to be a better version. Whereas the the whole like 
you know, I don't mean to pick on Billy Napier. He's just the first group of five hire that came to my mind recently. And, and I think uh, Norvell was too. So it's not like it always fails. It's just such a different job uh, when you do it that way. Elko hasn't been at Duke very long, only a year and a half. But obviously A&M knows him, is familiar with him, uh, it sounds like, for good reason. And he's done a great job in a year and a half. So, you know, I don't see why he won't have success at A&M. And I thought it was interesting. His contract was very incentive-laden, like, hey, you got to win to get, you know, paid, paid, uh, which I think is maybe them learning a little bit after the what happened with Jimbo. Right. Awesome. Okay. So before you go, I wanted to ask, who do you think ends up making the playoff? And who do you got winning it all? <laughs> I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm sticking to it, even though I, after seeing last night's rankings, I don't know how Paul, I don't think it's going to happen. But um, I think Bama wins this weekend. They beat Georgia. Um, Oregon beats Washington. And so I have, okay. <laughs> I want Georgia yeah. versus, I want Georgia, Oregon, Michigan, and Alabama. But I don't see Alabama getting in even though I think they would, they should just because I think their chemistry is the best. And I just think they, they've got, they've only gotten better since their loss against Texas. And so that's obviously I'm sec biased a little bit too. So, and I just don't see how you take a one loss Georgia team, even though I don't think Carson Beck hasn't been the most impressive person at times to me. And I think that's their weakest link. I still don't think, I don't know how you could take Georgia out of there just because they lost to uh, Alabama, but I mean, we'll see, but that's that's what I want to happen, and I think Oregon wins it all. I'm so I'm so I'm so I'm so sold on Dan Lanning. Like I'm, I might sound so ignorant, but I'm, I think Oregon's the fastest team. They, I love how they play on defense, and I think they have the most underrated uh, skill positions in the NCAA. I think their receivers are unreal. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it helps to have uh, a great quarterback who's 36 years old, a veteran guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's older than you are? I guess my my one pushback there, and the Texas Alabama thing, like, you you put right. in Texas because you almost have to, but I guess my problem over Bama just because they beat them at Bama, even though I agree that, yep, those honestly are two different teams than they were back then. I don't know how you put Georgia in to be honest. I mean, certainly not over Florida State. Is do you think their strength schedule was even harder than Florida State's? I think I think in your scenario, Florida State has to lose, and I'm, I'm sure you're assuming. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Florida State would have to lose, and I, I, I even would think for both of the SEC schools to get in. Oh, oh. so you, you can't put Georgia. Yeah, in no, Alabama. no, no. Because I think, I mean, I think my my in, in my theory, I think I think even uh, whatever his name is, Alan Bowman has to have a Heisman game, and Texas has to struggle. Like that's like that's the only way they would get in over Texas too, as well. Yeah, but I just don't think there's an argument for Georgia unless you just say, well, hey, they've lost one game in three years. Uh, They won the last two national championships, and their only loss is to a top five Alabama team. Like, how could you possibly leave them out? Which which I get, and this is really the only year where they would get left out. But when you play absolutely nobody at a conference, I think their best win was Ball State at a conference. And then you play the SEC East, which, you know, Missouri's pretty good, I guess. You know, Tennessee struggled this year. Florida stinks. Like, uh, like there's, who'd you yeah, play? Yeah, and then Who'd they didn't beat? have it. I mean, they, 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 they would play good. But... 
they, they played good in the second. Yeah, they uh, yeah, but I mean, they come out flat every game. I think the only game they didn't come out flat was actually Kentucky. They beat the brakes off them from from play one. But every other game, it was always second yeah, half. Exactly. They had to get woke up, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you too. It's they guess, their schedule has not been impressive to me at all. But back to Texas, that's the one thing where I don't know. Maybe I, I think it's just because I watched that Houston game personally. Like I was watching that, and there I did not think Texas. Yeah. I, I do think Texas got got away with some calls. Both sides did, but. The Texas call that that call on like the fifteen yard line for Houston, like the the spot was that was horrible. Yeah. Regardless of who who it was, it was horrible. And so maybe I'm just I'm just hung up on them. And like I said, I also beat Texas at KU with Charlie Strong. So it's like I'm kind of anti Texas in that sense. But I, you can't discredit Texas for anything they've done. Winning twelve games, eleven games in the Big Twelve, like that's that's super hard to do because. The Big 12 is so – there's so many trap games that you, people don't realize. Like, yeah, it's – so, I mean, you can't take any away from Texas. No, I, the Pac-12 is like that too now. It, it, honestly, like, this year has been one of my favorite in college football because I feel like there are so many pretty good teams. Yeah, where if you're not on your A game, like, you could easily get I mean, beat. And that's where, that's where the SEC, because they've struggled out of conference, I don't see the scenario where they get two. And I honestly don't even hate leaving them out altogether because, yes, they recruit better. They send more to the NFL. And they probably, like, Bama and Georgia might be the two best teams in the country. Probably not Bama, but, right. you know, they might be, right? But what did, I mean, Bama got beat at home by double digits at a conference. Georgia didn't play anyone. LSU got smoked at a conference by Florida State. A&M got smoked at a conference uh, by Miami. like. The, the SEC's best win might be, and then like South Carolina lost to to Clemson in North Carolina. Like they just they just kept losing. Their best win at a conference might be off of a sixty-one yard field goal against Kansas State, All right? Right. So what did they do to deserve two one-loss teams, where every other conference like was on the winning end of those? Like you, all we know is what these teams did out of conference, and yep. then they play each other. And the SEC didn't do anything out of conference to have this sort of superiority yep. thing going on. You can't point to any wins that, that say, oh, it's just different, we're better, even though we know that they probably are. Uh, actually, the best win was Kentucky over Louisville. That was actually the best win. But still, it's all kind of whatever. Uh, so I think that I have a hard time putting a one loss. Yeah, but, but, I mean, but I'm saying, though, but, but then you got Louisville. They're playing in the ACC championship this this week. And Kentucky, they're, what, they're six, seven, and five this year? So it's like, that's like a, a meet. Like a, no, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, a, like, that, that's yeah. like a par for the SEC is like, is that, they, they, and they beat the they beat the brakes off the team in the ACC championship. So you're just kind of like. Well, they beat they beat they beat him at the end. Did, oh, but sure. Oh my bad. I thought it was. Um, somebody, I thought it was like twenty three to nothing. Maybe I read I read a different score. Someone tagged me in it. No, no. I think it was thirty eight thirty one. I think it was thirty eight thirty one. But but yes, no. That that was a very good win. But yeah, I mean, they just they struggled in too many of these like apples yeah. to apples scenarios. But what I was saying with all this parody, like if you go through let's say an ACC schedule and like we're we're you know Florida State destroyed LSU. Uh, who's the second best team? I still think it's probably Clemson. You know, they, they've looked good to end the year and they're still Clemson. Like NC state is ranked and 
Like nobody wants to go play at NC State. Uh, nobody like Miami probably power rating wise is still borderline top twenty five team. North Carolina still has Drake May. Like so that's a that like that's a scary. And then I didn't even mention Louisville. I forgot to mention Louisville, right? And then who destroyed Notre Dame at a conference? Uh, the SEC we know is loaded. The Pac twelve. Oh my God, you have Oregon and Washington, Washington State and Oregon State. And I know I'm forgetting teams, but uh, and USC and no Arizona, kind of like competent. Yeah, Arizona. There's the one I'm missing, right? Uh, so like, I, in the Big Twelve, like you said, like every team is tough in the Big Twelve. So it, it's been cool to see the Big Ten still kind of three or four teams to me, but it's been cool to see a little bit more balance in, in college football. Anyway, um, I think that's all we've got time-wise. Thank you so much. Uh, is there anything that – oh, I guess one last thing I wanted to ask you about. So you're going to play in the U.S. I'm sure people want to follow your career on and off the field uh, after listening to you uh, on this podcast. So you're going to play in the USFL for Birmingham again this yep. season, right? That starts in February March. And then, you know, hopefully you end up on an NFL roster uh, for next season, for 2024. What what are you what are you kind of thinking about in terms of I, I know this might be a stupid question because the answer is you know whichever team will take me but what do you kind of see as like a an ideal fit for an NFL team and have you given any thought during this during the off season and you know as you get older to what you're going to do after football so fit wise and I wanted to do it this year it was just Buffalo was really the only team that was interested in me so I kind of took a leap of faith thinking that if I go to a team with there's a competitive tight end room with a lot of money and with Dawson Knox and Kincaid, we got a lot of money invested. I was like, no team would hold that against me if I didn't make the roster. But uh, I think for me, I have to go to a team that's yeah. going to be a new coaching staff where just everybody gets more of a fresh start just because I am going to be older. I'll be 28 this year going when, when the NFL season comes around. And so uh, I think it would be easier yeah. to get in with a, with a fresh coach who, is kind of giving everybody a more fair chance to make the team where some guy, some teams already have their players and you're only, the only way you're making the team is if there's injuries. But, uh, you know, if that doesn't work out, then like I said, I'm just going to, I'm slowly taking my sports media career more serious and trying to get on do radio shows and get into sports talk. And so, uh, you know, I think if I don't do it, see a team this year, that's for sure what I'll just tr- commit to that full time. Yeah, that's nice. Well, if if my hour impression review is anything, you know, you'd be very good at it. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening would, would follow you uh, to wherever you ended up going, whether it's, like I said, on the field or off the field. Okay, well, Jace, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. And this was really awesome. So appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was fun. Yeah, welcome back in. That was a fun interview. Uh, Glad you got Jace to come join us. That was a good time. I think now we're moving on to our in-season tournament check-in. How closely have you been paying attention to the in-season tournament games, and have you been enjoying them? I mean, I honestly wouldn't know that it was an in-season tournament game if there weren't extra promos on those days and the courts didn't look way different. So, you know, I can't say it's affected my watching too much. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I was watching a lot of basketball in League Pass last night. And, you know, I think as a fan, it's a little tough to, like, care. I mean, you know, the Celtics needed to win by however many points and the Knicks needed to win by however many points. Uh, I guess that part of it kept some intrigue. 
But like you're a Knicks fan, like did you really care if they won? Uh, how many points did they need to win by? Like twenty two or something? I didn't necessarily care. Uh, that's a lie. I care. I wanted the Knicks to be in this final eight. I feel like for some of the top teams, it probably doesn't mean as much. Um, it probably isn't that big of a deal to the Warriors that they're not in this tournament. I don't think the Heat, with all of their playoff success, are overly concerned about not making this tournament. But for a team like the Knicks that's really trying to go from the mid-level of the East to the top level of the East, I do think that it's a nice statement that like, hey, we're one of the four best teams in the East. It'll help team morale. So yeah, I as a Knicks fan, I cared. As an NBA fan... I am just excited to see what these single elimination games are like. Um, I hope that we get a few good, good close games. I like that there are a few. I like that the Magic almost made it. They were a fun storyline. I love that the Pacers made it. So yeah, I think it like it it makes you care about some teams to go on some special runs that where normally at this point in the season it's starting to get maybe a little monotonous and the games don't really stand out from each other and there's nothing that excited about Kings Pelicans on a Friday night. Now that Friday night game is going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'll say that I I wouldn't tune into any game because it was a playing or not playing game, uh, in-season tournament game. Just like, oh, I want to see who <laughs> who makes it out of the, you know, group B. But... If I'm going to watch the game anyway, and I'm more likely to because there have been increase, there's been an increase in promos around it. I've really enjoyed the DraftKings parlay insurance. Uh, obviously, it's only been one day, but we've had so many parlay insurances between BetRivers and ESPN and now DraftKings. It's like there's so many legs to root for. I'll say that the level of play looked a little bit, you know, the intensity was a little bit higher. I was watching the, you know, Celtics obviously played hard till the end. The Knicks played hard till the end. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Hero were out, but the Heat game, the Heat Bucks game was awesome. You know, you never know if that intensity comes from like in a Heat Bucks game, like you don't know if that intensity comes from wanting to make the end season or just like, you know, they've eliminated each other the last or three of the last four years type deal and the whole Dame situation. But you know, I think I think it makes there a little bit extra energy from the players from the fans so it's 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 obviously a good did you, thing did you like the point differential mattering like did you think it was cool i know that the nba put out a social clip of steph curry like in the huddle talking to his boys about how they need to win by at least 12 and he's like in a game like this where every point matters we need to be cleaning up xyz D- did you like that was that a fun twist i actually love that it's probably my favorite part of it all I know that some of the players were annoyed, like Drummond getting intentionally fouled uh, up by 25, got a lot of attention because the Celtics needed to win by more than that. They needed to win by 32. So they were like intentionally fouling Drummond, which just felt extra embarrassing at that point in the game. But I really enjoy it. I, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel bad that whatever Drummond feels shame that he can't make a free throw or that the Bulls were getting killed. Like those guys get paid so much and like there aren't that many like i don't know like do better if you don't want to get embarrassed but i think that the biggest criticism of the nba regular season for years now has been guys just sitting out when it's a 20 point game 25 point game late and you knew that wasn't going to happen in any of these games like the king's warriors game last night the warriors were up 24 
But if you notice, like all the player prop over-unders and all the point spread stuff was still pretty close. They were still pretty high, like for the player props, because they didn't bake in that there was going to be any rest. Like normally, you st- once, once a blowout starts to form, you see p- p- the player props start to tank because they think they won't play the fourth quarter, but that wasn't happening. And, you know, more competitive basketball is good. Like, I mean, obviously the, the Kings ended up winning, but if it was a 15-point game and I still have a reason to watch it, even if I really don't care who wins the in-season tournament because all it means is that some, like, one team's players get 500K, like, what does that have to do with me? But... If guys are playing hard, I'm going to be more interested in watching. I've liked the storyline that they're going to be giving that 500K to the young guns. Um, I think that's been a fun, like... Yeah, it's great. I just, I don't know if I'm more emotionally invested in the Kings young guns getting paid versus the Warriors. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Or even if it was like the Heat or the Knicks, like, I don't know. Like, it's nice, but, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know. It, it just, it, it feels like it has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Well, we're both looking at the bracket right here. Let's, uh, let's hear what you think this is, how this is going to play out. Yeah, I guess we'll start with the East. Uh, I think Boston beats Indiana. So wait, uh, so Indiana's the two seed, so it's in Indiana? I believe so. Is the whole thing not in Vegas? I mean, I'll It doesn't go Boston. to Vegas until the semis? I thought it went to Vegas in the semis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team market. So, okay. So, we got... I'll take Boston to win in Indiana. I'll take Milwaukee to win in Milwaukee. I'll take the opposite of both of those. Okay. Then, in the semis, I'll take... We, we have a Boston future in this. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to root for that. So, I'm going to say Boston over Milwaukee in Vegas. And I actually think that they're, they're playing better than Milwaukee is. Although, I thought Milwaukee looked good last night. Uh, it was a very high-scoring, fun game. Uh, okay, so then the West, I'll take the Kings over the Pelicans. I'll take the, I'll take the Lakers over the Suns because it's in LA. Even though the Lakers have been playing poorly, I do kind of think that like at home against KD, like the crowd will be kind of bumping and and they'll kind of figure it out for a game. Then I think the Lakers Kings Kings destroyed them last time right yeah I think I I think it's too much speed right now for how old the Lakers feel I mean you know who's guarding those quick guards and AD and LeBron they're 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 fine offensively and AD's good in the paint but I feel like Sacramento just goes a little too fast for them maybe maybe the Lakers can muck it up but maybe probably not with the way they're playing these days they're not at home like whatever okay so I'll take Sacramento, Boston, and I'll say Boston to beat Sacramento. I think I'm, other than Sacramento, I think I'm opposite every game. I love it. it means I'm doing something right. I, I know that I like the Knicks to beat the Bucks and Early in the season, I still don't think this Bucks team has it figured out, even though they did look pretty impressive against the Heat last night. But I think both those teams just bring the best out of each other. Yeah, I mean, I mean on, paper, on paper, winning a... A game by you know essentially you know it was by I I think they hit some free throws like but they essentially won it by like a possession against the Miami team without Jimmy and Hero isn't like a marquee win I just watching it both teams were playing pretty basketball yeah I would say I like the Knicks to upset them there I think the Knicks have been playing really good basketball I like the Pacers 
to upset the Celtics. You get an old school 90s Knicks Pacers semifinals. I think I'm going to choose the Pacers. I love this best offense in the wow. league, worst defense in the league, fast team. When you if you're thinking of it like you would a March Madness bracket, you're always choosing the team that has really good pace, has shoots a lot of threes, makes a lot of threes, and I think the Pacers might be able to run away with this. And then on the other side, for okay. similar reasons, I'm going to take the Kings to come out. Uh, so I like two young, fast point guards. They're the ones that traded Halliburton and Sabonis. Oh, my God. That that over-under would be... It's, it's going to be... The thing is, I'm gonna, I, I would love to see that because I would take the under because you would think that in a championship like game... Too, in, a, in a competitive... Yeah, yeah exactly. The, it's Things usually start to slow down, but the over-under would actually be like 245. But, so maybe maybe the line will be lower if we're both thinking like that. But I, I think it would it would go over two fifty if it weren't a championship yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then who do you got? Lakers Suns. I think I'm gonna go with the Suns. I, the Lakers just yeah, just go full fade. Yeah, at that point, I mean, I we agree on the Kings, but at that point, I'll just go full fade and I'll take the Suns. Yeah, I almost want to take the Pelicans now, but anyway, uh, okay, that's fun. All right, just to keep things moving. Let's go to best and worst beat of the week as our as our sort of final. Yeah, excited here. for this one. What you got? Okay. I got two best beats of the week and one worst beat. I'm going to do the first best beat of the week was, what was the team? I think it was Jackson State. First half money line. They hit a buzzer beater to cash it. It was one of those bet rivers. They did like a bet and get promo. So bet do like a regular bet. And then you got a plus 300 boost, an SGP boost, and, and a parlay boost, which... All did well, uh, but we hit the plus 300 off of a buzzer beater. So that's, you know, that's naturally going to be the the best beat. Hard to beat a, a buzzer beater. And then then I'm going to go to the, I'll go to the next best beat, which was, this is one that everybody had, FanDuel uh, PBT. We had a plus 613 uh, SGP plus boost that was looking in trouble. Uh, Chris Paul under was sort of the so it was Chris Paul under assists, Kevin Durant under assists, and I'm blanking on the third leg, but it had already hit. So we were down to the, the KD and Chris Paul legs. And then KD had two assists at halftime. His over-under was five and a half. Chris Paul had seven assists. They ended up taking one away. So he had six, but we didn't know that. Late second quarter and he gets thrown out. So we're 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 basically toast. We have his under, I think, nine and a half, and he's at seven midway late in the second quarter and he gets tossed he gets ejected in the game kd stays under and we hit a plus 613 that was that was kind of the other best beat of the week in my opinion uh you don't get to win on ejections too often especially on like a big hit like that kind of like a last leg of a parlay the worst beat of the week i'm going to go i had a different one planned uh there were a few options one was a one was a Bet Rivers one where <laughs> the Panthers drive kind of stalled early and we needed one more Chuba Hubbard yard to cash a play and uh, like eight more Bryce Young yards to cash a different play. So like we needed like a first down from them. I don't know if you end up getting the Hubbard yards anyway, but that the Panthers getting stopped, cash a different play. So blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go with the worst beat of the week was. I'm going to say Jalen Warren. I, I think that's the one that people are kind of hoping. 
I would say maybe that hurt the most. Jalen Warren, they were up. He had 48 rushing yards and he had 12 carries at the time. And Najee Harris, and they, so they we're going into the last drive and they're just going to be run, run, run. Jalen had just as many carries, if not more than Najee heading into it. And Najee rips off a 25-yard run. Then he rips off a 20-yard run. <laughs> and then 10. Like he, He's getting the whole drive, and even though they've been alternating all game. And then Warren finally comes in, and this is the catch, like a, whatever, a really big hit. It was a, one of these FanDuel SGPs. Warren comes in, he's got a carry, and, and, he, and he ends up uh, not getting the three yards that we need. And we fall just under on, on a big hit. So that, that was probably the worst one. But I'll take it anytime there's there's two clear good beats and, and one clear bad beat. And obviously, we had a very successful week. But that, yeah, that or the Chuba Hubbard, Bryce Young one were definitely the, were definitely the worst beats. Yeah, I agreed. We'll always take the two good beats over the one bad. And here's to more players getting ejected when you take their unders. Yeah, exactly. Um, we also, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we had the, uh, potential like I don't know twelve to one hit losing overtime. I don't know if it's really a bad beat, but uh, I did get my hopes up for that one as well. I mean, you know, you end up with all these parlay insurance and all these different plays. Like you're gonna have a bunch of close ones, and we we certainly had a ton of close ones. I mean, one of the most painful ones was the <laughs> the Caesars SGP. Luckily, the original one I posted in the Discord hit, but then the one I but then it died. The DJ Moore leg. So then I had to to, to audible and. Caesars had favorable odds for like the alt total over with the under passing yards and the Bears winning. But it ended up being a 22-point game. <laughs> so we weren't even close to, to hitting that one. That would have been a big hit as well. So, but that also then ended up winning us a FanDuel free bet. Like we end up having so many bets that all these end up close and it can be very fun. That's the fun of gambling. But I like doing this best and worst beat just to kind of relive them a little bit. I mean, we, I'll do one more. <laughs> where we had uh, a guy under his tackle and assist. And twice in the game, he went over, only to have him get taken back. Uh, one by a play got challenged, and it was like the guy was down before it ever got to our guy. And then the other one, it just got like overturned. I don't know if he, was, if he ever should have gotten the tackle or not. But twice in the game, he went over, and, and he had, for most of the game, he was one away, and it ended up falling short. Yeah, it's rough, but it seems like we had a good week, so no, uh, no complaints here. It was a very, very, very good week, and you know, people can get. It always feels like there are more bad beats than good beats because when you when you play all these three leg, four leg parlays, if there's a good beat on two of the legs and a bad beat on one, you don't. You it's just it's just a loss, right? So you don't think about the good beats that got there. Yeah, also the good beats, uh, more often than not, are you take someone over rebounds and they have seven in the first quarter and you're like, all right, this I barely have to think about this the rest of the way. Um, well, the bad beats are the ones that you spend two and a half hours sweating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely more of a, like, like you know, in your head thing uh, that happens. But, but for sure, it, it also, you know, you think about the losses more than wins, even though I try and... I might be like the one person that thinks about the wins more than the losses. Like I'm not really like a big what if guy, but uh, and trying to train people the opposite way. I mean, like the Chris Paul one that that ends up flipping seven 
units, let's say, if you put a unit on it, ends up flipping. Like you can then lose seven, you can have seven bad beats and you or six bad beats and you break even, right? So, or you'd still be up. So it's kind of like thing like when you when you get a good beat on a parlay with or on a long shot, like whether it's the buzzer beater that hit or or like the Chris Paul ejection, like that just pays for for a lot of the bad beats that usually come in in the form of oh we were lucky to even get to this last leg right i mean so many times a lot of our bad beats are like yeah but we never really should have even been in it <laughs> but doesn't mean it it stings any less but anyway really fun week uh great interview with with uh jay sternberger uh i would definitely you know i'm definitely gonna be following his career a lot closer the rest of the way he was a really great guy and shout out to uh mojo for setting that up and nick thank you as always my friend yeah, this is fun. Yeah.